Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining our Aging Reimagined Circle, the sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, creativity, and courage. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions, and we'd love to see you there. And today we're delighted to be talking with Diane Slezak, and she is CEO of Age Options, a nonprofit organization established in 1974, first in Chicago and now in Oak Park, Illinois. She's been involved with this organization since she was 26 years old. Now, Age Options caters to older adults and those who care for them with resources and service options so they can live their life to the fullest. Their mission is to sustain and promote independence for older persons in their own homes and communities. Age Options is one of 600 area agencies on aging across the nation. And in addition to her executive duties, Diane advocates to state and federal legislatures to improve benefits, services, and funding for older adults. So Diane, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. We're delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And for you to have stayed with this organization for 47 years, uh, certainly attests to your dedication to its mission and the larger field. And why don't you just let's start by having you tell us a bit how you how you got started in this in this area and what drives you to keep you know keep pushing forward on behalf of older adults. Um, thank you for asking. Um, what has what initially ignited my interest in this whole area was uh, first of all getting discouraged with the short teaching career that I had before I entered this field. But I think that um, my mom and dad's um, contribution to public service, especially to older adults, made a huge difference in my life. They were responsible for creating a senior center in their community. They owned a local hardware store. And uh, I think my dad spent more time promoting local not-for-profits and supporting like the local boys club and girls club. But at the top of his whole list was uh, older adults. You know, he just felt like very much honored his um, older adults in his family and his mom and dad. And so that was a very high priority for him. And so not only their dedication to older adults, but just their dedication to social justice and community service really helped drive me into the work that I'm doing today. And what kept me here is just that things are always changing. If you can imagine what it was like, I don't know what the top songs on the on the hit list were back in 1976, but everything has changed so much over these years. And there's so many new programs and so much new recognition of what needs to be done going forward. Well, we there's there certainly is more recognition about as uh, we say about the grain population, and um, and the needs of older people. Can you just for our listeners give us a, a sense of the landscape now of of the growing demographic and and some of their needs? Well, when I came to the agency back in 1976, we had 223 older adults in all of suburban Cook County. And currently, we have over 600,000 older adults in suburban Cook County. So the population has exploded. And nationally, 
is the last of the baby boomers who were born in uh, 1946. Uh, I'm sorry, 1964 uh, were born. You know that those, if you do the math, you know that those old, those people are now turning over 60 themselves. And, you know, really when they are turning of Medicare population in 1965, we're going to see this burgeoning. So burgeoning up the population and burgeoning of people in needs. Right now, I think one of the things that we're seeing is the need for assistance for caregivers. Um, you know, the people in that baby boomer generation, some of them themselves need help from family caregivers, and many of them are providing care uh, to grandchildren and to um, to still some of their parents that are uh, getting older, as well as to people with disabilities. Caregiving has just been a huge issue that I see addressed more and more. The Federal RAISE Act, uh, which is a federal act designed to really honor caregivers and look into what we can do for them, uh, was established, but it was established without any funding. So we're basically looking at what can we do to advance those uh, support for those caregivers. There are so many mother, other issues right now. I could spend a lot of time going through many of them. Um, I mean, I think the increase in scams and people being scammed out of um, thousands and hundreds of thousands, in some cases of dollars, um, is a huge issue that we are looking forward to addressing more thoroughly and we already have worked on. Um, just so many other issues. Um, I could keep talking about this for an hour alone. <laughs> Let's just go back to caregivers for for a moment. What what are some of the, the um, things you're doing here in Illinois to assist caregivers? So uh, about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, we established the Illinois Family Caregiver Coalition. And it is one of a number of coalitions that have been formed in states across the nation. And different states have had different priorities with their caregiver programs. Um, in Illinois, we have about 300 members already in our Illinois Family Caregiver Coalition, including the Alzheimer's Foundation, the Lung Association, Cancer Society, as well as individual caregivers who are very interested in advocacy issues. And so we hold meetings um, every other month to focus on, uh, over the past year, we've been focusing on best practices, like what are some of the best things that were done in Washington State? What were some of the fantastic things that Wisconsin did? and so on. So we're looking at um, six uh, six or eight other states across the nation. And what, what have we learned from them here in Illinois that we can implement? We're very proud of the fact that with the coalition, we were able for the first time to get a line item in the state budget of $4 million during 2022 to help support caregivers. And that was um, the first time there is an Illinois Family Caregiver Act, which is designed to support informal caregivers. It was passed back in 2004. We advocated strongly for that, but it's taken all these more years to get funding to fund that Illinois Family Caregiver Act. So, you know, basically nearly 20 years in order to fund this act that is so important. But I think the reason for that is, is that there are so many more caregivers. And when you think about it, family caregivers providing care are the backbone of our nation's care. If we did not have them we would have people in skilled care facilities much sooner than what we do now. We would It would put a much greater burden on Medicaid and Medicare, and we just wouldn't have the structure to support uh, people living at home or to even support some of the people who, 
you know, sometimes the nursing home is the only uh, place that you can care for someone because of various circumstances. But even those people are still caregivers. So if I were a caregiver, Diane, how would I go about finding out about what is available to me? Well, what a good question. So we are about to launch a um, statewide public information campaign to make sure it is better known uh, what can be done and how to access care. But um, across the state of Illinois, there are caregiver resource centers that are located in every locality. And those caregiver resource centers are able to come in and talk with you and, and do a conversation and assess the needs that every caregiver has. And then they work to get to get, put together a plan with that caregiver to address the greatest pain points in that caregiver's life. It will be a completely different plan for somebody caring for somebody with Alzheimer's than somebody caring for someone, say, with um, with cancer, you know, who's trying to get through chemotherapy or has just gotten out of surgery or something like that. So depending on the situation of that individual caregiver, um, you know, we look at all the possibilities of what is going to help give the greatest relief. Would it be respite care service to allow the person to get away for a weekend or to attend a family wedding or attend a family funeral, you know, something like that. Like what, what would make this, what would make life more livable? Maybe it's counseling or therapy. Maybe it's training in how to hands-on care for somebody. How do you change a bed when somebody's in the bed and they're not mobile to get out of the bed? So some very practical things like that can be uh, addressed. And and what are the costs involved to the caregiver to take advantage of these? Well, it it, it it varies, and we really work together to put together plans for caregivers that are affordable and appropriate for their income level. Mm -hmm. uh, under the Older Americans Act and under the funding that is available through the state, it is not a means-tested or a um, there's no fees related to the program to get the assessment. And there is even... Um, a QR code that I can share at some point where you can scan yourself. You can scan through a brief questionnaire to find out, you know, how what's my level of burden and stress, and do I need to go through the additional uh, the caregiver stress, uh, the caregiver, the full assessment. Should I be reaching out to one of our caregiver resource centers? Mm -hmm. And it's available on our website, but I can also share it with with you separately. Um, we do ask for donations to help with services and. There are classes like stress buster classes or um, powerful tools for caregivers, many other classes that help caregivers to manage their uh, manage their situation and have a group of people of peers to discuss their situation with. Sometimes it means all the world to know that you're not alone, that, you know, there are people in exactly your situation. Um, you know, maybe there are people who are still working or uh, people who are retired who are just having a tough time. Um, with caregiving for an older adult and their grandchildren or what have you. You know, I'm still thinking about the took a, uh, taking 20 years to get funding to follow yeah. the, the act. Right. And well, so tell us a little bit about the kind of advocacy work that you, that you do to help uh, bring about, you know, the, the dollars behind the intention. Yeah, so we work with all the area agencies on aging across Illinois, the 13 of us, um, to um, bring to light these issues uh, and um, 
the issue that we worked on, I think most intensively before the caregiver program was the home delivered meals program. So for a long time, there was no line item in the state budget for home delivered meals. And now we are at a state where we are receiving more money for home delivered meals from the state than we are for the federal government. So there was gradually a recognition among our legislators that we can't have older adults going hungry um, in the state of Illinois. And older people don't necessarily raise their hand that I want a home delivered meal unless they really need it. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, you're, it's not the meal of, of choice. We do the best we can with quality and variety of meals. Uh, but what we started with with that campaign was we delivered empty paper plates to everyone on the General Assembly floor in Springfield. So we were there advocating with the support. ARP worked with us to 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 provide the support, and we had uh, people from all of our AAAs around the state and our home delivered meal providers uh, providing uh, an empty paper plates with a note on it, like this is what older your older constituents are eating for lunch today. So then we were able to get the first one or two million dollars, and then we provided a half a sandwich um, to everyone on the floor of the General Assembly. So we managed to get a caterer and divide sandwiches in half, and we delivered half a sandwich and said, this is what you're, <laughs> thank you for your support. This is what we're providing to older adults now um, in terms of home-delivered meals. And so we went on until we finally have been very successful, and now the General Assembly is very open to hearing, you know, what do we need? And they've also allowed us more flexibility so that we're able to de deliver fresh food boxes so that if you could still cook at home um, or you have somebody that can cook for you, but you still need the food, you're not able to go shopping to Aldi's or, or Jewel or wherever, um, you get a box of fresh food with fresh uh, fish, um, beef and chicken, as well as all the vegetables. And then we include menus and um, even recipes in some cases. So that was that story of advocacy. Now with the caregiver program, um, we have collected the stories of 26 caregivers from throughout the state of Illinois, from the very southern tip all the way into Chicago. And their caregiver stories were told to an ethnographer that we work with mm -hmm. to hear their stories. So we're putting together a booklet of what have they experienced. You know, some of them have lost their jobs because of their caregiving responsibilities. Some of them... Um, just um, needed uh, additional support from their employer. Some of them are raising um, grandchildren and also are caregiving responsibilities for an older adult. And their stories are just so moving. It's incredible. So we are about to publish that booklet of all these 26 stories. And because we have so many legislators right now who are experiencing caregiving for themselves firsthand, I think we've just built a greater understanding. I think food is easier to understand, but because we have more legislators who are, are uh, having family caregiver responsibilities, I think we will have traction mm -hmm. and uh, greater success going forward. Mm -hmm. You mentioned scams, which like you said is a growing concern, and I can attest to that personally. Um, what are you, what are you doing? What's going on to try to help older adults be aware of and uh, and not get uh, seduced into? So we have a number of programs that we do public information, um, deliver public information, both on general scams and on scams against your Medicare uh, cards. So, 
you know, people have Medicare scams as well as general scams. Um, before the pandemic, we had a group called IFAST, Illinois Financial Abuse Specialty Teams. And that team um, looked at providing, I think there were three different levels that we had to it, uh, providing public information at the most wide perspective that we could to tell more and more older people, this is what you need to be afraid of. We also had a general uh, group that would gather together to talk about what policies can we establish and what laws can we make to help reduce the number of scams. And then we get a rapid response team. And when the pandemic started, I confess that uh, unfortunately, that was one of the scams did go on a slight decrease right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, we still had some people being scammed out of funding because of the COVID vaccines, but they weren't quite, a, you know, something happened there where now they're starting to increase again. And we are hoping to resurrect the funding that we had available for IFAST. Uh, but we really are hopeful that we can shine a better light on uh, a number of things that can be done in order to, um, in order to address this Um Banks um, can be better educators. I think we need more signs up in banks saying, you know, if somebody is pressuring you to uh, withdraw money from your account and they're here with you, if you want to talk to somebody, please let a bank officer know, tell the teller. Um, if somebody's pressuring you to take money out and they're telling you to lie about what you need it for, please think again. Mm -hmm. You know, this is probably a scam. Um, there are a lot of things that we can do in terms of encouraging bankers to be reporters of suspected abuse and also um, to just get better information out, better train their tellers so that young tellers who, um, you know, might be afraid to ask somebody who's older enough questions like, why are you taking $80,000 out of your account? Um, it's to buy new appliances for my home. Well, you know, is there really how how many appliances can you buy for eighty thousand dollars? Does that make any sense? Um, you know, just to kind of filter through some of these stories a little bit better. I just think we still have a lot that can be done, especially with these international scammers yes. who keep moving around. Mm -hmm. Not to speak of um, romance scammers who try to um, you know really get to know somebody very well and then you know, promise that they're going to marry that individual and end up taking all their money and all, all kinds of uh, scams. I just heard about a well, woman who is, um, whose husband has had an accident a few years ago and is just slightly mentally challenged. And he said yes to someone on the phone and they were scammed out of $30,000. And the banker was, they went to the bank. The bank was was part and parcel of the of the scam. Not, not wittingly, certainly, but a young teller who just didn't know to ask the right questions. Right. So they lost $30,000. So AARP has developed some terrific training programs that help tellers to role play. What would it be like? Uh, you know, they, it's their uh, automated... Um, videos, but you can you can see this play through, and you can think more about what is it going to be really like to ask an older person what are they using for this money? Because often tellers are very young and they're reticent to ask. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. What what are you, what's happening? Yeah, they need uh, one of the famous ones currently is that um, people 
are calling a lot of computer related scams where let me fix your computer just give me all your passwords and i'll have it all fixed up for you so it works very well and then the next thing you know all your accounts are wiped out mm -hmm. wow wow so i wanted to come back to the overall mission of, of uh, age options which is to sustain and promote independence for older persons in their homes and communities can you say more about that because we we hear um this you know wide continuum from people being encouraged to move into a, a dedicated you know senior community or and on the other hand side it's trying to age in place um but what is how are you addressing this this notion of where people live as they age well um recently uh, we um partnered with the university of illinois at chicago go to do an, a comprehensive needs assessment. And one of the top issues that we received calls about, and one of the top issues that was revealed through the needs assessment was housing. Housing, transportation, assistance with benefits, just learning about programs. Those are the issues that are at the top of our list always. So um, we have a, a program uh, called Options Counseling that we provide through our Aging and Disability Resource Centers throughout Suburban Court County. And basically, that program helps people to look at, you know, does it make sense for me to be living on the fourth floor with no elevator? Um, or, you know, do I have the possibility of being able to set up a bedroom on the first floor with a bathroom? You know, what might I need going forward? What might be some of the options? So, there's a program called AMP, um, and I'm going to forget the acronym. The National Council on Aging uh, did research and developed this. It's about a 13-session program called AMP Aging Mastery Program. That's the name of it. I knew it would come to me. Aging Mastery Program. So you can even Google on that. And that program helps take you through uh, financial issues, housing issues, you know, suppose that your eyesight is failing and you still want to be able to get out of the house. Think through how would that work for me? You know, am I living in a in a walkable community where I can just, you know, go and pick up groceries? Do I need to learn how to use an Uber? Do I want to do that before my eyesight gets any worse? Um, it's just a full range of everything that you'd want to think about, because as you age, of course, it involves everything everything that you do every day, you know, healthcare, housing, transportation, and on it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I guess we have a wide range of programs at Age Options, and primarily uh, we do a lot in terms of helping people with benefits to make sure that there's a large uh, amount of dollar amount of benefits that get laid out and left on the table every year in terms of SNAP benefits, the Senior Nutrition Program. Uh, benefits, supplemental nutrition uh, program benefits, which was food stamps originally. Very few, a, a small percentage of the older people that should be taking advantage of that program actually take advantage of it. So we do a lot of presentations to help people with their economic status. Um, recently, with the pandemic coming down off the pandemic, we have found that we have record numbers of older adults becoming homeless in suburban Cook County, the Cook County Sheriff's Office works with us, and we've seen those numbers really increase. So we've developed a home preservation program where we have home preservation specialists at each of our aging and disability network uh, centers throughout suburban Cook County 
to help people figure out how, you know, how can I forestall a foreclosure on my mortgage or an eviction in the case of a rental? And what are some of the things I can do benefits wise, or can we connect them with an attorney that would help them, you know, with legal, uh, legal directions? There are so many programs, though, that are available that people aren't aware of in terms of uh, tax freeze pro programs, tax deferral programs. And sometimes it's just the smallest bit, you know, gets you over the hump. Um, and why not take advantage of those resources? We're often told by older people, oh, no, I want to leave this to somebody who really needs it. Yeah, we try to explain like you really need it right now. Like, please use this benefit. And you you serve suburban Cook County? No, suburban. Where do what do you serve? All of Cook County outside of the city of Chicago. However, H Options has a number of programs that were state are statewide. So, the Illinois Pathways to Health program is one of those. Uh, we provide a wide range of evidence-based health programs, and anyone can go online and see Illinois Pathways to Health. We also provide training for uh, professionals throughout the state of Illinois on Medicare and Medicaid and the intersection, like how do Medicare and Medicaid work together? It is, if you have been through, um, if, if most people on this call are over the age of 65 or 70, you know that this can be incredibly complex in terms of uh, what your benefits are and what's your premium for Part B and what happens um, if you go on a med sup and then you want to go to Medicare Advantage or any number of complicated questions. It is not a simple, simple system. Right. Right. And so how would our our uh, listeners and our viewers find similar services in other states? Um. So there is... And a website called the Elder Care Locator. So you can go and put Elder Care Locator into your Google. And our National Association of all the area agencies on aging across the country contribute to this database. And you can find one of the 600 area agencies on aging that exist across the country with services, a bedrock of services that are very similar to what we provide at Age Options. And um, you can identify where that local area agency is everywhere from, um, oh, I just talked to the area agency director in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. And I also talked last week to the area agency director in Maui, who is really challenged right now because there were three senior living facilities um, in the path of the fire. Mm. And um, she is still working really hard at disaster relief planning for the older adults that were living in her planning and service area. So there's one area agency on aging for all of Maui. So you, I think you get the picture. Like yes. it doesn't matter where you live, a very rural area of Pennsylvania to um, New York City has a fantastic area agency, and 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 it goes. You know, Diane, you've been in this for the long haul for sure. And um, so what are your own plans and what have you what have you learned about aging that you're applying to your own your own life? Well, good question. I, I really don't have any plans to step down um, to step down just yet. Uh, I mean, um, I still find so many areas that we have just talked about exciting. I would love to see all these plans for caregiver programs and um, develop new programs to address scams and so many other things come to more fruition. Um, I am, um, my husband is retired. 
so now we've switched. He makes meals in the evening, and and I uh, I get a lot of evening meeting meetings actually. Uh, so I'm still going strong, um, and really look forward to the future still of you know what more can we do and and I think at this stage of my career I have more connections than I have had ever over the past you know 47 years. You just accumulate so many uh, friends in national places, and you know you think about like how. Can we connect with this person to help us advance our mission or this person uh, to advance our mission? So I know eventually it, it'll come time, but I'm not I'm not quite ready yet. And I, yeah. I think the biggest thing that I've learned about aging is that um, I just learned a whole lot about the caregiving experience. I have cared for eight or 10 different family members. I'm always the go-to person. But even even in my position, I know so much about you know what the resources are available. I still had difficulty navigating at times mm -hmm. uh, between hospitalization, nursing home stays, rehab, uh, using hospital equipment. You know, I've learned that it is so difficult to to manage that burden, and it's so different from every person that you're caring for. Um, you know, when is the time to begin to use hospice? I, I think a number of things that I've learned though are that um, also our medical system sometimes goes too too far in terms of trying to offer um, offer people medical care that, uh, you know, are really we thinking about quality of life and every person has that choice to make, but are we, you know, do we want to make life uh, more livable for that person to the end or, you know, or do we want to go through the end extremes? I, a turning point for me was when uh, a physician tried to convince me that my grandmother's leg should be amputated when she was 95 years old and she had so many other things going on with her and I really had to advocate very strongly um you know against that course of action and my grandmother did end up finally dying but she she would have died more quickly you know if that surgery had occurred just because I knew her you know, and we need to trust caregivers and understand that they they know their loved ones. And um, I think it's even harder when you're advocating for no, you know, this is not what she would want to do. You know, I, you know, she's not alert enough to know that you're asking to amputate her leg. But if she were, this is not what she would want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Very strong message for making our wishes known. Yes. Well, thank well, you, Diane. Thank you so much for. This has just been a great deal of information. I'm so glad that uh, people will have access to this. Right. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Wow. And, and uh, congratulations on all your work. I hope to stay in touch. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes. And listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. This is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Pay and YouTube. We hope you support women over 70 and join the Aging Reimagined Circle and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging.